Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to another bonus short lecture from the History Teachers Talking Podcast, where Tom or I will lecture on big topics in little time. For more information, you can visit us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com or visit evergreenpodcast.com. In 1854, the Kansas-Nebraska Act brought about the demise of probably the most popular third party in American history, the Whigs. Formed in opposition to Andrew Jackson's Democratic Party in the 1820s, the Whigs came out of the remnants of the old Federalists, the very first political party in the United States. As a fairly popular party, the Whigs sent Presidents William Henry Harrison, Zach Taylor, as well as others to the White House during its brief existence. For a while, it became one of the two dominant political parties. It was the Whigs and Andrew Jackson's Democrats. However, the Whigs all but ceased to exist in 1850s, splintered by the issue of slavery. In the 1850s, a decade prior to the Civil War, the Whig Party divided itself among geographical lines, with those in the South pro-slavery and those in the North anti-slavery. As a result, the Whig Party more or less split. At that point, the Democratic Party was left unopposed until a new political party sprung up, perhaps the first major third party, the party known as the Know-Nothings. Before they were known as the Know-Nothing Party, the proper name for the new political party was the American Party, and it had its roots in a secret organization known as the Order of the Star-Spangled Banner. The members of the society believed in nativism, or the idea of favoring a native-born American over any immigrant. The initiation, often called Seeing Sam, called for memorization of passwords and hand signs. There's also a pledge to never betray the order. Also, one had to be a 100% purebred Protestant Anglo-Saxon and most definitely not a Catholic. Above all, if questioned about the secret society by any outsider, its members were told to respond with one simple phrase. I know nothing. By 1953, the Know Nothing Party had transformed itself into an actual political party. At its height, it included more than 100 elected congressmen. It also included eight governors and therefore controlling a share of half a dozen state legislators from Massachusetts all the way to California, as well as thousands of local politicians. According to a Smithsonian article on the topic, these party members supported deporting any foreign beggars or criminals. They also called for a 21-year-old naturalization period for immigrants, mandatory Bible reading in schools, and elimination of all Catholics from public office. In a sense, the article claimed, they wanted to restore their vision of what America should look like with temperance, Protestant religion, self-reliance, and American nationality and work ethic, enshrined as the nation's highest values. Primarily middle-class Protestants, the nativists were dismayed not only at the total number of new immigrants, but also at the number of Catholics among them. 
Two nativists, the Catholic immigrants who had flooded into the country during the 1830s and 1840s, were overly influenced by the Pope and could form a conspiracy to overthrow the American democratic system. While the Democratic Party courted immigrant voters, nativists voted for the Know Nothing Party candidates. The Know Nothing Party did surprisingly well at the polls in 1854. The party's two main leaders were Thomas R. Whitney and William Bill the Butcher Poole. William Whitney was the son of a silversmith who opened his own shop and wrote the magnum opus of the Know Nothing, known as the Defense of the American Policy. Bill the Butcher Poole was actually a gang leader and a prize fighter, as well as a butcher. Once the two men got together to help form the Know Nothing Party, their idea of only those with the proper qualifications deserving full rights embodied the party policy going forward. Women's suffrage was viewed as unnatural, and Catholics were a threat to the stability of the nation. Their biggest gripe was with the fact that anywhere between 10,000 to 100,000 immigrants entered the United States each year between the years 1820 and 1845. As a result of economic instability and potato famine in Ireland, most of those people that came in were Catholic. Suddenly, more than half of the residents of New York City were born abroad, and the Irish immigrants comprised 70% of all charity recipients in the city. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. According to that same Smithsonian article titled How the 19th Century Know-Nothing Party Reshaped American Politics, many of the major cities, including New York City and Boston, would see posters all over, claiming that Catholics and all persons who favored a Catholic church were vile, imposters, liars, villains, and cowardly cutthroats. There was even an expose written by one Maria Monk who claimed to have gone undercover in one convent and accused priests of terrible actions against the nuns, as well as strangling babies. It did not matter that Monk was discovered as a fraud. Her book sold hundreds and thousands of copies. So conspiracy theories were so extravagant that many churches were burned as a result of the Know Nothing Party's influence on local gangs. This influence amongst nativist groups spread from New York and Boston to then Philadelphia, Baltimore, Louisville, Cincinnati, New Orleans, St. Louis, and as far as San Francisco. Anything and everything that was wrong with the American society at the time was blamed on immigrants, foreigners, and Catholics. The beginning of the end for the party came on February 24, 1855, when its leader, Poole, was drinking in a New York City saloon when he got into a fight with another gang member, one who shot him in the chest. Dying a couple weeks later, his last words were, Goodbye, boys. I die a true American. Approximately 250,000 people flooded Lower Manhattan to pay their respects to this great American leader, with local pamphlets soon blaming the Irish and the immigrants for his death. The facts did not matter, especially Poole's own criminal record and the fact that he was armed that night he was shot and he started the argument which led to his death. His admirers only paid attention to the fact that a great American hero battling for freedom's cause had lost his life. Up to Poole's death, it sure did seem like the Know Nothing Party was going to topple the Whigs and take its place in a two-party system as a new political party. Yet, as opposed to growing, it all of a sudden simply collapsed under the pressure of having to take a firm position on the issue of slavery. 
All of a sudden, the United States no longer cared about politics as much as it cared where one stood on slavery. It was no longer about politics, but about regions, where one came from and what one believed was right or wrong. The United States would soon fight a war, a civil war, and the devastation of that conflict would essentially push nativist concerns, especially against immigrants, many of whom fought in the civil war for the Union, to the back of the American psyche. All of a sudden, the Know Nothing platform just wasn't that important. Once split, the Southern Know Nothings looked for another alternative to the Democrats, not really finding any. Meanwhile, the Northern Know Nothings began to edge toward a new Republican Party, one whose leader would soon become one of the most famous presidents of American history. As for the Know Nothings, well, if you ask anyone on the street about them, their answer might actually be, I know nothing. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed this week's lecture. Tom and I will be back next week with another full episode. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of the new Medal of Honor podcast from Evergreen Podcasts, brought to you in partnership with the National Medal of Honor Museum. In each three-minute episode, we'll learn about a different service member who distinguished him or herself through an act of valor. We'll include stories from the Civil War to Iraq and Afghanistan, and from all branches of the military. We'll talk about service members who were overlooked for the medal at first due to their race or religion, and about those who were celebrated at the time. We'll hear stories of soldiers like Audie Murphy, future Hollywood star who mounted a burning tank to hold off German infantry in World War II, and people like Dr. Mary Edwards Walker, a Civil War Army doctor and the only woman to receive the Medal of Honor so far. Learn about these heroes and more wherever you get your podcasts.